0: Well, good afternoon. It's not, it's not normal that I get to say good afternoon, uh, especially on Christmas, at a Christmas Eve service, um, but we're grateful you're here. Apparently, this is the more popular service. I have a feeling uh, the afternoon service is going to be very helpful for many, uh, but we're grateful that you're here. We're thankful that you're here and uh, encouraged and praying that this will be a time where you have already been blessed and God will continue to bless you. I, I love the lyrics in that song, um, come and see what God has done. Really, when you think about Christmas, although you may be able to think of a lot of different things, I wonder if you realize that at Christmas, God is really speaking to the world, and He is declaring a message, and He is actually sending forth an invitation, and He is saying to the world, come and see what I have done. Long time ago, God actually put a a birth announcement in the sky for the world to see. He put an invitation in the sky, and there's many intriguing aspects to the Christmas story. If you read uh, the different accounts of the Christmas story, there's lots of amazing supernatural realities that are taking place around the birth of Jesus Christ. It is a supernatural event, and one of the most intriguing realities is that God places in the sky this star right above the home of Jesus Christ, I want to look this afternoon at the story of this star and really how that star was drawing people to come and see this newborn baby, Jesus Christ. So if you have a Bible with me, if you've got one on your phone, feel free to use that. You can turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. And if you don't have a Bible, our, our ushers are going to actually walk to the front and they're going to turn towards the back. If you would like a Bible today, just put your hand up in the air. We'll just make sure a Bible gets across the aisle to you. And if you don't own a Bible, take this one home with you. Merry Christmas. This is our, our gift to you. We would be really blessed to give you a copy of God's Word. I want to look at the, a familiar story, the story of the star and the story of the wise men who come to see Jesus Christ. And I just want to pull out a few things for us as we continue really to prepare our hearts for this Christmas Matthew chapter 2, you can read along with me in your Bibles, begins like this, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him when Herod the king heard this. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream, they did not return to Herod, and they departed to their own country by another way. Christmas came long ago with an invitation. A very clear invitation, a star shining brightly in the sky, and just as then, so too now, it comes with an invitation. Maybe you received an invitation, uh, somebody put, put one in your hand that said, come and see this Christmas Eve, what Christmas is all about. That's really what the star is. And as you consider Christmas this year, I hope you will see that God is holding out an invitation to you, whether you're saved or whether you're still searching and seeking answers. I hope you'll see that God is actually holding an invitation out to the world, and it's an invitation to come and see what the true meaning of Christmas is. This invitation stretches beyond the first Christmas. In fact, this story actually takes place, contrary to popular belief and contrary to many Christmas cards, it takes place two years, up to two years after the birth of Jesus Christ. So those pictures you see of three kings huddled around the cradle with the shepherds, uh, sorry to burst your bubble, but not quite accurate. But that reminds us, listen, of the timeless significance of the birth of Jesus. And the timeless invitation that is extended to the entire world, I just want to draw out three things. The first is this, it's an invitation to seek the king. It's an invitation to seek the king. In verses 1 and 2, it tells us that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, these wise men came from the east. And they came to Jerusalem, and they're asking this question, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we have seen his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. We've come to pay homage to him. Matthew is already highlighted. It was read for us during that brief announcement period, who this child really is. We have some insight and knowledge into who this child is that these wise men didn't fully comprehend. When Matthew writes his gospel, he tells us that this Jesus, this King of the Jews, was the long-awaited Messiah. This Messiah has the name Emmanuel, which means God with us, And Mary and Joseph are told that they're to name this baby boy Jesus, and his name has very specific meaning, for he will save his people from their sins. This was incredibly good news for the world and those in it have been held captive by sin. Sin has cursed this world. Every one of us lives in a world that has seen the effects of sin. Every one of us is ourselves a sinner and therefore every one of us is actually far from God in the spiritual sense. Our sin has alienated us from God. But God had promised a deliverer to His people. He had promised a deliverer for the entire world. He promised a king who would come and conquer humanity's greatest enemy, the enemy of sin. He promised a king who would come and set the captives like you and me free from our sin. And this king would come for us. And it is here we're reminded that we are invited to seek Him. There is in this story a universal significance. You'll notice that these wise men, or magi as some have called them, they come seeking the king because they have seen his star. A unique event has occurred. A star out of place shines brightly in the darkness. We don't ultimately know where these men have come from. We just know that they've come from somewhere in the east. Some people speculate that it is from Babylon, What we do know is this, these men likely studied the stars, and they noticed in the night sky something very unique. We know, likely as well, that they were very important and influential. They traveled quite a distance, and they appear to have lots of money. They bring gifts that are worth quite a valuable amount of money, quite a sum of money. They did this, likely, at their own expense. They traveled, likely, over 900 miles to come and see this child, It's probable that these men were very important and influential in their own country. Most people believe they were some kind of court advisors, but for our purposes today, you need to see this, that they understood that something supernatural was happening. They understood that God was sending a message to the world, and they were the ones who had seen the message, and so they begin to respond. They begin to seek They would come to see that this was no ordinary child, and when they set out on their journey, they didn't believe this was an ordinary child. You see, God had marked out this child with a blazing star in the sky. In the ancient world, they always viewed the stars in the sky as being something divine, something unique and supernatural of God. And so they saw this new star that had risen above the city of Bethlehem as being God's pointing out something spectacular. It's likely that they understood this prophecy from Balaam in Numbers 24 verse 17 on the screen behind me. It says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. In the book of Revelation, Jesus actually says these words He says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. They come from afar and they seek to pay homage to the promised king of the Jews, not realizing in full who this king truly was. And there are many today who celebrate Christmas, many who day, today, today who understand that Christmas really revolves around this person, Jesus, but like these men here, they too do not realize the significance of this child. They too no, don't, do not realize the significance of what he came to do and who he truly was. This is a universal invitation. There's a reason this star was in the sky It was so that all might see, and you need to understand that God was drawing people from all around the world to himself as he still is today. The gospel of Jesus Christ and this King Jesus is for the great and the small, whether they're wise men or whether they're poor shepherds. It is for the far off and the near. It is for those who are coming from hundreds and hundreds of miles away and those like Mary and Joseph. It is for the Jew and the Gentile. There is no exclusion when it comes to this message. It is a global message intended by God to reach the world. The star tells us that. You know, if your Christmas tree is anything like mine, you have sitting on the very top of it a star, a star that maybe, like mine too, is shining, and tomorrow your kids and maybe some of you adults will walk down the stairs seeking to find gifts underneath that star. Gifts that you really want, maybe gifts that you really need, and I just want to encourage you that as you think about Christmas, God's invitation at Christmas is to seek the gift that our hearts have truly been longing for. God invites us to come and see, to seek the gift under the star that we truly need. His name is King Jesus. Beyond seeking, notice this, it's an invitation to find the King. What good is seeking if you don't ultimately find what you're looking for? It is an exercise in futility to keep on looking and never be finding. And here we see that apparently finding was the prime objective. The Word of God tells us that when Herod the king heard this, He was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Herod was the king at the time of Jesus. He ruled on behalf of Rome over Jerusalem, who was under Roman occupation. And he was a puppet king, so to speak. He had usurped his role. He wasn't a true king in the line of David and so it tells us here that as these wise men entered into the city, they're asking genuine questions. Where do we find this king? For some reason, the star wasn't pointing them in the exact, specific direction at this point. And so they begin asking this question. Herod, along with all of the other people, begin to be troubled. He knows he's not the rightful heir to the throne. He knows he's usurped power. He's fearful that this might mean the end of his reign. He's fearful, believing that maybe, maybe was the time now that others would come and overthrow the throne that he wrongfully possessed. He inquires as to where the Christ is to be born. You'll notice he asks all of those who are knowledgeable in the law, and without hesitation, it appears, they tell him what the law says, that this child would be born in the city of Bethlehem. This was common knowledge to the Jews. It was common knowledge around the time of Jesus to all the Jewish people. You see, this king would come from the same city that David himself was born, and he would be a greater king than King David was. Herod wanted to find Jesus. I want you to see that for a second. He wanted to find Jesus, but he wanted to find him and not to praise him, and not to worship him. He wanted to find him to kill him. That is his purpose in, in ascertaining this information from them. He desperately wants to know who this king is so that he can take him out, take out all challenges to his power and authority. You know, much like Herod, our world and... Our hearts are so often filled with the same kind of thinking. Our world and us at times really want to be king. We don't want to be ruled like Herod by anybody else, even if that means God. We want to set the standards for our own lives. We don't want to submit to any rightful authority over us And here, if Herod has his own way, he will find God and try to put him to death. Part of finding King Jesus is recognizing that we are all usurpers of God's throne. Every single human being has sought to kick God off the throne of their heart. Every human heart refuses to give up control and keeps us from finding the freedom of God's rule in our lives. But we find the true meaning of Christmas when we realize that He is the rightful King. He is not only the rightful King of Israel, He is the rightful King of this world, and He is the rightful King of our hearts. We can enjoy and find the purpose and meaning in Christmas when we realize that He is King and we are not. And in contrast with Herod, these wise men are shown to be seeking the king. They want to find him because they want to honor him. They want to worship him. They want to pay homage to him. Verse 8 actually tells us and that he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. We know that that is a lie. But he expects these men to find this child, Verse 9 says that after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. So you can just imagine this happening. All of a sudden, the star reappears, and the star begins to actually lead and guide them. It's fascinating to think about. This is not some ordinary star that we look up in the night sky and see. This is something just amazing. The star, perhaps, was hidden for a time, that's what it seems like, but it is revealed again at the right time, notice this, to those who are truly seeking the Lord. You know, the Old Testament, in the book of Jeremiah, it says this, Jeremiah 29, 13, that you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart, with all your heart. You know, I love that about God. There is a a God who exists, and He says to the world, I want you to know me, I want you to find me, and if you are intent on seeking God, if you really want to know Him, He delights to make Himself known, and He delights to make Himself found. Christmas is really all about God showing Himself to us. Some people think the star is some kind of an aligning of planets. You know, there's a natural explanation to this. Planets aligning at this very specific time in history or some kind of a supernova. Some people have suggested that this is a star-like astrological phenomenon. It is something very unique. Other people believe, and I think this is closer to the truth, that this is referring not simply to a star but to an angel. An angel an angel who literally exudes and glows with the glory of God. You see, angels in the Scriptures are commonly referred to as stars. At any rate, we really don't know if God is using natural means or unnatural, but what we can be sure of this, it is completely supernatural. God is directing this man, and Christmas, listen, is an invitation to not simply seek God, but to find Him. It's a supernatural invitation for God, from God, to find God, and these men believed that they were following a sign from God. They didn't realize that they were truly about to find God Himself. And this Christmas, while well, you are enjoying the food, you're enjoying the fun and the festivities, and so you you should rightfully so. I wonder if you will be careful not to lose sight of the King. We can often be consumed with the gifts that we're giving one another and the gifts that have been given to us and just like a child who is obsessed with the gift and forgets the one who lovingly gave it to them, so too we can be like that when it comes to Jesus at Christmas. We can look past What this truly means, and instead we can simply just delight in all of the good things God has given us. Maybe your family, maybe it's the food and the provision that God has so richly given to you. That is a gift from God, but so often we can be so fascinated and fixated upon the gift, we forget that God is the one who gives all good things to us. At Christmas, I wonder if you'll see that God has given us a gift in Jesus. Would you find Him at the heart of it all, and maybe would you find Him truly for the first time? This Christmas, you see, it's not simply about finding Jesus. This is an invitation to embrace the King. Christmas is an invitation not just to seek, not just to find. You see, the question we need to answer is this. When we find Jesus, what will we do with him? What will we do with this baby? Will we be like Herod who seeks to push him aside and get rid of him so that we can you know, possess our own power and rule and authority? Or will we be like these wise men who so beautifully demonstrate what it is to bow down and worship the one who is worthy? I love this passage here. It tells us something really important. You see, they came, and embracing the king, notice what they actually embraced. They embraced true joy. Did you notice what verse 10 says? It says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. This is as many superlatives as as Matthew can pile up. He's wanting to express how their hearts were so filled with great joy at the reality that they were finally here. They finally come to see the one they had been longing for. The indication is that the star really stopped right above the house of Mary and Joseph. We've come to the end of our journey. We've traveled all this distance, and now, finally, we are going to find what we have been seeking so desperately for, and we're not just going to find Him. We are going to embrace Him. You know that feeling as a child? You had... Or maybe as a parent watching your child open the presents that they have so desperately wanted, you can see the excitement building, you can see the squeals of joy, the delight, maybe even the tears of joy when they finally get that precious toy they have been longing for. There is so much more joy in this moment here as these men begin to embrace what their hearts have been so desperately seeking. We long for ultimate satisfaction. Every single human heart longs for true and lasting joy. But everything we try to find joy in, everything we try to find satisfaction in, maybe it's a, a person, maybe it's a family, maybe it's a possession, maybe it's money or a career, whatever it is, cannot ultimately fulfill what we have been designed to experience. It's temporary, it's fleeting. But it is pointing us towards something that is truly lasting, that is truly sufficient, that is truly adequate, and that is so much greater, something that will fill us with exceedingly great joy. And it can be found in no other place than in King Jesus. You see, they embrace the King, and in doing so, they embrace joy, but they embrace something else as well. They embrace their God-designed purpose. At Christmas, we're reminded of why every human being was created. And I believe it's found right here in verse 11. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. They fell down and they worshipped. They gave gifts to this king. You see, this is how you truly embrace this king. By embracing your God-given purpose, you were actually made and designed by God to know him, to exist and live in perfect relationship with him, and you were designed by God to worship him. Every human heart worships something. We always worship what we love. Again, a career, a family, a spouse, a hobby, money, possessions. The word worship literally means to ascribe worth. Worship is to make a value statement, is to make a declaration of how valuable something truly is. And you'll notice here that they travel far and wide. They have come and they bring costly gifts. That's what these gifts reflect for us. They cost them lots of money. They were gifts fit for a king. They have come at their own expense and nothing mattered more. But I want you to notice that the the gift that they give and the sacrifice they make that is most valuable, what they offer primarily is themselves. They bow down. They acknowledge that this king actually truly is their king. The word here used for worship is actually used for deities. And I don't believe they fully understood who Jesus was in all of His fullness. But I know this, we have been given a greater knowledge than them. We have been given a fuller knowledge in the Scriptures of who this child is. He is God with us. He is the one who has come to save us from our sins. We know in full who this child is. Therefore, in a much greater way, I wonder if you will let this be a day and be a Christmas of greater worship than you have ever experienced that you would embrace your purpose, and that you would fall down and worship King Jesus. God warns them as they leave in a dream, and He makes sure that this child is protected. You see, Herod wanted to know the specifics because he wanted to kill this child. He would eventually go on to kill any child under the age of two, hoping to somehow make sure this child would never grow up to be the rightful king But this small verse reminds us that this was not Jesus' time to die. This was not going to be the time when He would be taken out, when His blood would be spilled, but the Scriptures tell us that at the right time, this King would give His life for you and for me. He would hang on a cross of wood and He would pay for your sins and mine. That is how He would become the Savior of the world. But I wonder... As you prepare your heart for Christmas, if you can say that He is your King. I wonder if you have bowed down to Him like these wise men. I wonder if you have confessed Him as your Lord and your Savior. I wonder if you've given up your control. I wonder if you have looked to Him to pay for your sins and to set you free, as was His purpose in coming. He can be today. You can seek, you can find, and you can embrace Him. You're invited to come and see For Christ the Savior is born.